So there's quite a big jump between Tuesday and Wednesday. It's quite a significant shift in energy. And so Tuesday gives catharsis, which is the capacity to actually clear our emotional field and our heart field so that something can drop in on Wednesday. So we move into silence and deep inner presence move into that um, alignment and listening, the deep listening for the day. So I want to just talk a little bit about what we can be listening to, like what can come in um, through this whole process of Mercury and meditation. And then we're going to go, we're going to uh, meditate together in the magician's hat. to call in energy at this time in the training. And there's a particular kind of energy that I want to call in. And, um, and it's aid from a place that's in the deep core of our being, but it's also in a planetary sense. It's the purpose of the planet that you can call in and you can call in and group. So just like on Monday, we looked at the ecstatic energy in the earth that you can, you can go down beneath where most people are sourcing themselves for security, which is the crust of the planet. And you can go to the core. And if you're a awake soul on the planet connected to love, you're allowed to call on the resources that are waiting in the earth and in matter itself. Um, to be utilized. And that is the ecstatic current that comes from the earth. So we tasted that coming into the field. But there's also a place in the core of consciousness deeper than most people go in their consciousness that is also a resource. So for beings who are calling a new civilization, we can't resource ourselves from inside the narrow band that civilization is living in. We have to go under and over and beyond. So Wednesday we go over. And so all meditation, you know, is designed to to gradually uh, disidentify pure awareness from the sheaths of awareness. Most people start with, you know, I'm not my body, and then I'm not my emotions, and I'm not my mind. I'm the thinker in my mind, and then I'm the one who can witness the thinker in my mind. And then I am pure awareness, and then that awareness uh, can access the subtle worlds of higher vibrational awareness. And then eventually that awareness looks into itself, and starts to taste emptiness. And bringing that energy of the void into consciousness makes that consciousness incredibly powerful. Because now the consciousness can penetrate matter. So in the same way that light, when it comes in, which is the symbol of consciousness, solar consciousness, light can't penetrate matter. Even when light goes into the ocean, you know, the wavelengths of light get taken out. And light can't go into the core of the earth. 
So to the realm of light, matter is impenetrable and also often it feels like a prison to the soul. But to the void energy, the energy coming from the center of the galaxy, it penetrates matter. The cosmic rays from the center of the galaxy pass straight through matter. They pass through the atoms. And very dense places like um, Sirius B, <coughs> if you took a matchbox full of that <coughs> star and dropped it, it would go straight through the Earth because it's that dense. So there are powers that matter is not um, an obstacle to. And if you can awaken void energy in your consciousness, then that energy allows you to more deeply penetrate your environment. So if you want to manifest something and your consciousness can hold void energy, then you can penetrate the realm of thought and emotion and body much more powerfully and bring your vision into manifestation. Now remember I said before that if, if humanity could do that now, if we could bring what we envisage into manifestation, the world would be a much more horrendous place than it is. Because most people's thought life has, hasn't been purified. And most of their thinking is based on their egocentric idea of who they are and what they want. So to think on behalf of the whole, to offer your mind to those ideas that need to come through for the civilization is not something many people are doing. And you can't access this deep void energy unless your consciousness is in that place of surrender. Because it's collective energy. So this is a, a, a form of spiritual power. And the symbol for that, um, the, 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 the symbol for the link between consciousness and the void is lightning. And in fact, even now, there's something like four billion lightning strikes every day on Earth, and we still don't know what causes it. Because, of course, there's an electric um, differential between Earth and <coughs> clouds, but it's not enough for lightning. So something ionizes air to allow the transmission of lightning, and they're currently thinking it's cosmic rays from the center of the galaxy that are doing that, that they're creating ionization in the air which allows for the lightning to flash. So it's just interesting scientifically that it links to the same process that goes on in meditation, that you can go to solar awareness in meditation, which is you're expanding your awareness so that it can include other awareness light, the realm of light and enlightenment. But if you really deepen that meditative process so it goes to the pure blue-white fire of presence, now you're getting to the jewel in the lotus, and the jewel in the lotus can call forth lightning. And behind that lightning is the void. So there's a, there's a path just like there's a path in Kundalini, underneath the snakes of Ida and Pingala, you go to the Shashumna, you go under the serpent into the dragon. There's a path in consciousness to get above normal awareness. 
and to call in that energy which causes the evolution of awareness. So you can call in a lightning strike. And have you ever seen those guys who chase lightning? You know, they, they're wired. You can call in um, re the resource of lightning. And not just the lightning at the core of your own consciousness, but planetary lightning. So that um, invocation is um, where meditation goes to. It's what meditation is for is to connect with the subtle worlds and then through the subtle worlds to uh, receive energy that you can apply in your life. This is the same lightning that, by the way, comes in at around 42. Remember on that map of your timeline, your, your full soul um, energy for your life can be brought in at that 42 point. Of course, you can bring it in at 7 or at 63 or whatever because it's the core energy that's outside the time and space of your life. It's the energy of your purpose stored up, your soul purpose stored up somewhere that you can download. And the normal process is it just happens, as I laid out, it happens at a certain times in your life. More energy comes in that you need to fulfill your soul purpose. But you can also accelerate that path. And in a way, what a mystery school is, is a place where it's a hothouse for flowers. You can allow flowers like roses in the garden to just unfold gradually in their own time. And with the water from the earth and the sun, the flowers just naturally unfold. Or you can put them in a hothouse and, and, and channel ultraviolet light for them, and you can force the opening. That's the same with the spiritual journey. If you can, you can unfold the lotus gradually from the outside through radiation, or you can go into the jewel in the lotus, call in the lightning, and pop it open from the inside. Okay, and so those people who are on an accelerated path as souls that want to accelerate their soul evolution for the sake of the love that they are and for the collective can have technology that accelerates. So this is like the difference between being a supernova star and a star that's just quietly going on for 20 billion years. So you can, you can choose the, the speed of your evolution. And remember I said initiate is the cause of evolution, not the result. So all of these things will happen unconsciously anyway, but when your consciousness awakens to participate, and if you want to participate in the process of evolution on the planet and be a player in that, then you, meditation is one of the ways that you can do that. So the bigger picture is, this, this is the mountaintop experience, <coughs> and these are the energies of um, your mind, your mind, emotions, and body, and then this is the energy of the world soul. So most people, when they're meditating, are getting up into the causal body. They're getting up into this, um, you know, jewel in their lotus, and they're bringing in these energies. So in the 
the terminology of, of the Bible, this is the temple in the wilderness. This is the temple of Solomon. But there's another temple up here, which is called the temple of Ezekiel. And this is where, you know, the visions of the, the throne of God. This is the, the energy that lives up here. You could call it the will of God. And Shambhala is another name for this energy. This is hierarchy. This is humanity. So the same thing that goes on on the individual goes on on the collective. There's the soul of the world, where all of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas and the Ascended Masters and all of those that have it developed into the subtle worlds of Earth live. And you can access this energy. But there's also this energy. And this is the energy of void in matter. Remember I said void really lives outside matter altogether, but you can experience void energy in matter. And the place you'll experience that void energy in matter is in the subtle. The same as this is earth, planets, stars, black holes. So these are different qualities of energy. Stars are made of plasma. Earth is made of more dense matter. And black holes, the matter is so dense that it becomes a singularity. So in your meditative practice, if you can get to the causal body, you can begin to expand your awareness into soul consciousness. But you can also call on void energy. And the lightning through the temple of Ezekiel is the bridge. Okay, so what you're doing here is you're going up, opening your causal body, opening the jewel and the lotus, and then calling on the lightning, which is the bridge to the void. And there's two ways that you can access void energy. One is in consciousness. One is to go to the soul and then find the energy at the core. So awareness looks into itself and it disappears. There's another way though. Awareness can reach up into the more subtle energies where void energy is vibrating and call it down. If you call it down, you accelerate your unfoldment. And, and it produces uh, something that's called the light that shocks. Have you ever had the light which shocks come into your life? So time of crisis, and then all of a sudden, something cracks you open and you see what you haven't seen before. And often what you see is the things that need to be changed in you. Because it said if you bring this energy in, it needs to be used on yourself first. It's like if, you're a, if you want to receive lightning, you've got to actually receive the lightning and have it change whatever needs to change in you before you direct that lightning like, you know, Thor into the thunderbolts into the world. And it said that in the esoteric traditions that this lightning has, it came in the last time energy from Shambhala directly impacted humanity was before this current time was back in Atlantis. 
because normal, the normal unfoldment is the soul of the world gradually educates the body-mind over time. But when it gets behind schedule, then you bring in Shambhala. Shambhala is the purpose. When you, when you have a Shambhala impact in your life, it's a bit like you're behind schedule or you're on, on top of schedule, but something needs to radically change. So the core purpose of who you are gets manifest. You get a strike into your body-mind, which readjusts everything rapidly towards who you're supposed to be. So it's said that the energy of Shambhala drives humanity to hierarchy. In other words, it causes awakening of consciousness. But it's a life-death energy, and it's the same energy that sits inside so many people experiencing suicide um, urges or self-destructive urges, because when it's unconscious, it just is life and death. It, it forces the process of evolution. And in a big sense, it's said that this started again at the time of the world wars. The first impact from Shambhala on humanity happened at the time uh, around 1925, which then was a result of the first and the precipitated the second. And the most significant thing that it caused for human civilization was the splitting of the atom. So human consciousness penetrated matter, which produced both the, the shattering of some of the etheric web in places like Nagasaki and Hiroshima and so on, but it also produced uh, our, our, our capacity for nuclear <coughs> power to start harnessing the power that lives inside matter. So that was the result of this energy coming in. So was the Second World War, so was Hitler. You know, part of Hitler's swastika is really the energy of the galaxy as it appears in the core of the soul. So instead of the, um, this energy that sits in the core of the sun, he called it the black sun, is a, is a journey towards this energy. But if it's not brought in with love, and if it's brought up from matter, the real force, before this energy comes down, it's destructive. So the danger of accessing power, if you don't use the power on yourself, is that it can cause incredible destruction around you, but it can also bring life. So collective use of, of the Shambhala force accelerates evolution, and it also can bring um, a rapid crystallization of form so that it is destroyed. And this is happening to us anyway. The next big um, impact is 2025. The last one was 2000. And 2000, the impact then flowed through into the towers coming down and all of the changes that have happened since 2000. So many people, consciously or unconsciously, are starting to equip themselves as, a, as they awaken to soul energy to be able to handle this energy flowing in. And if, you don't, if, you, if it doesn't flow in consciously and be directed according to your heart and love, it will flow in anyway. And when it flows in anyway, it will produce the rapid um, energy of destruction, which ultimately is an unconscious way of producing evolution. So 
generating your own lightning strike is basically inviting the purpose that lives at the core of your soul to manifest. And it's said that this energy is like a reservoir. It's held like the purpose of the earth. This is like the crown center of earth. If earth was a being, then this part of earth's being is like the lower three chakras. Most of us live somewhere in the lower chakras of earth. The mind is part of body-mind. It's part of the matter of earth. So we're, we're living down here in the lower three chakras. This, this is the crown center. So calling in energy from the crown center of the planet into the body-mind produces a rapid awakening. Is that why it feels so good to do this while this is doing the self-pleasure meditation? Well, if you can bring this all the way into the physical, yes. But that requires that your consciousness is able to contact this and the danger of just being down here and and if you don't have this built then it calls you into matter but it doesn't link you to spirit so why we do in in this um, training why we do deep embodiment work but also really deep meditation work is so that these worlds can come together because if they don't come together and we have the seventh ray coming in, we're going to end up with a very materialistic society, way more materialistic than it is now. But fortunately, this process of evolution is happening, and these powers, the ecstasy power, the kundalini power of the earth, and the shambhala power of planetary purpose, are way more powerful than human minds. So the mental structure that has held civilization in place is being defibrillated from above and beneath. But if you're an initiate or awakened soul, you have to learn how to consciously work with these energies. And what a magician does is a magician is someone who can, can create a recipe. You start to become sensitive to the, the different energies in the different realms. And then if you are holding a workshop or you are creating art or you are setting up a business, you need to use magic. And that magic is the capacity to bring in, okay, there's too much matter here. We need, we need a touch of spirit. Oh, we need the fourth ray. We need the, we need the energy of Aries. Like understanding energy allows you to start to co-create with that energy and create energetic creations that contain that energy. So this particular energy is the energy of um, lightning that comes from the void. And inside yourself, inside your soul, you could say it's the energy of your soul purpose that's waiting for unfoldment of your soul to reach a time when it can land. So at 42, that lightning is what's called your <coughs> midlife crisis. And it's actually the opposition of Uranus in your chart. And Uranus is this planet of lightning. So if you're calling the lightning, you're asking for that purpose to manifest. And you're asking for it to change whatever needs to change. 
So where we are today is we've cleared out a lot of the uh, things that were in the emotional undercurrents, and now we want to invite in just as much as we need in our journey of the lightning. And when you call that forth, you're um, in group formation, then you also have the the, the distribution of that lightning in a group field. So it all just doesn't land in your own being. Okay, so any questions about um, what that energy is and where it comes from? Yeah. Yeah, um, my mind is really struggling because it sounds, and maybe, maybe you're not, but it sounds to me like maybe you're conflating black hole with void, is that correct? I'm saying the void is the symbol in matter of that energy. Of black hole energy? No, the, the black hole in, in matter is a symbol of void energy. Okay, so it's symbolic only. It's not only symbolic, it's a quality of matter. So void is really not on here at all but the vibration of void energy is. Okay, so your soul isn't on here either, but when it's incarnate and vibrating, this is the matter it vibrates in. So void is a vibration of matter, as well as being beyond matter. Okay, well, okay. makes sense. So when people say they can feel void energy in their body, or void energies come in the consciousness, it is an energy but it is also beyond any manifestation of energy. They say that there is a mini black hole at the center of all atoms. And you can, you can feel it in your own <clears throat> meditative practice or even just sitting in a group. When different energies come into the room, they come into consciousness, they come up through the body, what's their, what's their impact? What happens when really subtle energy comes in? And you know, homeopathy and all of these things, it begins with a bang and ends with a whimper. It begins with big, you know, you know, rituals and initiations, and, but it ends with very, very, very subtle energy. And that subtle energy changes everything. The subtlest energy can ripple through and change what the loudest bang can't. Yeah. The question about hierarchy. You're yeah. Speaking about hierarchy being the world soul. Yeah. Um, and that and sort of referencing the bodhisattvas and Buddha and, and Buddhas and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's quite human centric. Is there also energies that are non-human? Totally. Yeah. Good question. So they come in more in this realm. So Shambhala's planetary purpose, just like our our soul doesn't just concern itself with consciousness, it also concerns itself with our body. It can operate through the body. So it's said that here are, um, here are the ashrams of soul on this plane. So each of our souls, once we start working with, with subtle energy, finds the vibration that we relate to. But some of these ashrams relate to the, the physical plane, and some here. Some people's souls vibrate with this energy, and some people with this energy, which, which is in a soul group, you actually need them all, because then you can create this. But from the realm of Shambhala, um, the kingdoms of Earth all needed to be represented. 
So we kind of are human-centric in the sense that we don't think lions or elephants or rocks have spirit and therefore aren't included in the conscious evolution of Earth. But from the energy of Shambhala, they are. So you might imagine a council that contains all of the evolutions of Earth because all of those are needing to be synchronized together. And of course, what's happened is humans have really dislocated themselves out of that. So that's why the energy came in the other day. When you go to the ecstatic, you have to not be human, but you have to be the life force of Earth. And the life force of Earth is found in two places, in the matter of Earth and in the um, spirit of Earth. And this is where someone asked the other day about the will in matter. This is where evolutionary purpose of the planet, and I'm not talking about um, anything that we could understand or write down. It's like the planet in cosmos has its own evolutionary energy and drive, and that energy is available to be called forth in times of crisis. And also, it has the energy of will in matter, which is like the kundalini. These two are actually the same thing. And the soul can call them forth. And it's said that uh, Hitler called forth a gata, which is the energy of here, without Shabala. In fact, he actually sent people to Tibet and all kinds of places to try to get um, some kind of support from that energy. So if you only access one, you only access will and not purpose, or only access purpose and not will, then you have uh, a, a problem. Okay, so coming back down to the very small and personal of a human being, and that is the journey of when we want to bring our soul purpose more fully into manifestation, and we are willing for the crisis that comes from rapid development rather than slow unfoldment, then we can call in that support, call in that aid, call in the spiritual emergency, really. And on the planet, because humans have been so slow in their evolution, it's coming in anyway. So if you invite it in, then you at least get to work with it consciously, you get to direct it in your own evolution, and then you get to support that in the evolution of others. So those are the, the reasons that we might um, call it forth. And any time that you, you know, have a deep awakening, then you're working with this energy, particularly if that awakening is coming from the realms of consciousness, that lightning strike of lifting you up to a much greater awareness than you had before. Everything gets seen. You know those times on the mountaintop where you have that experience of looking through your entire life and it all making sense. You can see all of the other times you had peak experiences. You can see visions into the future and then you come back down from the mountain. That's the energy of the lightning because it's hitting you with the whole while you are progressively working yourself through the parts. Okay, and if you had that perspective the whole time, it would be difficult to function. You need to keep your awareness focused on, this is my stage of life that I'm in. But sometimes you need the big picture. You need the whole. So on a planetary sense, calling in this energy calls in 
the whole purpose and evolution of Earth, not just the human-centric survival needs. And that energy can help readjust, readjust evolution so that it moves in a uh, more healthy way. So we're going to go to the turret and we're going to meditate. And I just want to say something about the, the practice of meditation. And of course, different people have different capacities. Some people, it works better for them to stay in their bodies as much as possible. And you know, so they're more wanting to be down here. And often, seventh-ray souls will say, look, I want to be in my body and call down things so that I can actually feel them and vibrate them here. Others, it's more about their heart and, and being heart-centered and their heart opening in meditation. Other people, it's more about their mind, like they're forming structures here and you know, creating things with their mind. Some people, it's more about the starting to get into the formless. So you get up into the cause of body and you start to dissolve. And you start to dissolve into the subtle realms. For some people, it, they're, they're going for that lightning and that purpose. So what we want to do as a group is form our meditation structure so that all of those, those levels are present. And so that means if meditation works for you better one way, do it that way. But what we're trying to do is get as much of us up here as we can without leaving the body, getting up into this place above the crown, which is where the, the Temple of Solomon, the Jewel and the Lotus is. If you can get there and you can get enough people there, then you send out the demand. And the demand is like a leader from a tree or a steeple or whatever. It's plasma. It's that energy of your, um, your vibration of your soul purpose that's calling for support. Okay, just like I said, you can go to the mother or matter and ask for support if you are serving the planet, if you are reconnected with Earth. And you can go to the energy of spirit and ask for support to bring your purpose of your soul into full manifestation. To bring that energy of the void through lightning, through the core of your soul, down into your being, so that it empowers you on your journey. So, who, who would like to do that in their life? Okay. And the thing is, you don't have to kind of worry that oh my God, I'm part of a group process that's calling in the lightning. What will that affect with my life or whatever? Because your will is the, your will is the calibration. Human will is what's powerful. This is what we're calling in, purpose and will. If you're not aligning your will with it, it won't happen. And this is the mystery of what's called the will of God. This is the will of God. You know, a great politician or something that you know, is believing that they're aligning themselves with the will of God. Well, there's actually an energy of the will of God. But it's not a concept, it's a vibration. Someone like Churchill or whatever saying, you know, there are, there are, there are times in the evolution of humanity where we're aided by forces beyond our understanding, but you can tell when they come and you can tell when they go. So if you are trying to align with planetary evolution and your will is a surrendered will, 
It's not, not um, the third right kind of will or the will of like, I know best for others and my will will dominate them. Like surrendered will is, I have no idea what's best. I just know that I want to offer myself so that the, the energy of what is good for the collective can move through me. And it's not a concept, it's an energy. And if you choose to align your will with the thy will, with the greater will, that will moves through you. And it moves through you like lightning, and it can make changes in your life that nothing else can make. So your protection against its misuse is your own will. But your access to it is your surrendered will. And for most of us, that only comes when we've tried using our will and we're tired of our will. That we've used our little will, we've used the will of our body-mind to get what we think that we want, including relationships and careers and whatever. And then we've tried the will of our soul to manifest our soul purpose. But then the next step is, oh my God, I'm part of this whole planetary thing. There is no capacity to manifest my purpose without the whole purpose. Like, even if I could create this perfect little kingdom here at Haydn, it's not going to affect, it's not going to make the difference in terms of climate change and everything else. So how can I align what I'm doing in my world with the big picture without knowing it? That requires a surrendered will. That you take your will to the mountaintop, you get on your knees, and you ask to align that with something greater, and you let that vibration move through you. And it may move you in directions that you did not even intend. So that's surrendered will. And like all good magicians, there's a word of power that comes with it. So <clears throat> what a word of power is in it is um, a vibration that can connect you with Uranus. And who Uranus was, was the original father god, Uranus and Gaia. So Gaia, the Gaia hypothesis really just includes all the way up to the new sphere. Okay, but in the new sphere is Uranus, who is the, the masculine equivalent to Gaia. And what Saturn did is chop the balls of Uranus off, and they became Venus. So we know that story. To get back to the balls of Uranus, to get back to the power of lightning, and to be able to bring that into your life, then you need the living word. So Saturn turned the living word of Uranus into the written word, into the formulated word, which we then all try to live by. But the living word is a vibration. So you need a word to connect you to the living word, and, uh, and I'm going to give you a, an example of a word. So that's the word. And the great things about, you know, the old Sensar language before Sanskrit and Hebrew and so on is that it, it's all about hieroglyphics, that the, the word itself, the symbol, is the movement of energy. It's not a representative of, of something, it is it. 
So if you, and, the, and where you meet somebody is part of the meaning. So if you happen to meet on a mountaintop or at a river or in a forest, that's part of the meaning of the meeting. It's not a separate thing. And so what we've done with language is turned language from being an interaction with the natural world to being something that you can write on in books and take those books away from the landscape and then have meaning that's separate. Well, that's not true with indigenous cultures. If, the, if the, you take our Aborigine away from the song lines, then their stories and their oral tradition and their language don't mean the same things. So language in terms of word of power is about energy. So what this word is saying, it's, it's sattva, which actually in Sanskrit is I go to Venus or I go to the real. Uh, but so this is the lightning. In order to get the lightning, you've got to climb the mountain, mount your cross, and then the result is the coming together of the soul and the body-mind. Sattva. Okay, so each of us climbs their mountain, hops on their cross, and at the central point of the cross, you get to call the lightning. So that's another way of expressing the word. So you can see the word is not, you know, something that means something. It's a living dance of the way energy moves and tells us something about the spiritual journey throughout time. So you can use the word just in its form, and then you can use the word in its meaning, symbolic form, and then you can use it in its significance. So a magician who uses a word of power is using it to produce results. Okay, and it doesn't even need to be spoken out loud. And the use of a word in its form without the other levels is just the written word. And what's happened in our society is we've tried to make the written word. Moses came down from the mountaintop, you know, chiseled out a few... Um, you know, manif manifest words, and then those words now have driven thousands, millions of people into conforming with the, the, the letter of the law. But actually, it's the spirit that is the power, not the form. So even when you do that in your life, when you go and create a mission statement for your business, and then you get up every morning and you read the mission statement and you do what the mission statement says, in a way, you have come under Saturn. You've come under the, the letter of the law. You've come under the written word. So the living word is something much more subtle that gets you up in the morning, not referring to your mission statement, but just going directly back to your vertical current to see how that vibration is moving you today. That the vibration has purpose already in it. The purpose isn't something that you write down as a result of having an inspiration one day on a mountaintop. The purpose is something that you live every day on your mountaintop in alignment with your living word. So the calling in the vibration of the living word of your soul, so that word is vibrating in you and, and directing you and giving you the purpose that you need in your life rather than having one peak experience and then being driven from it. What's that? and you speak 
That's why self-expression is so important. When we really speak from that vibration, then the whole field gets alive yeah. by us speaking and self-expressing. And that is so totally exciting, totally arousing also wow. when that is happening. Because it's a transmission of energy, not a transition, uh, you know, a transfer of concepts from one mind to another mind. Yeah. And this is what will accelerate everybody's path, and it's also why it's so important to bring it to the body, because the transmission, if it can land fully in the body, then it's informing matter as well as informing hearts, as well as informing consciousness. And when you speak from the living word, that living word, you know, one of the, the things in the, in the biblical sense is that um, it raises the dead to life. The living word is the, the water the, of eternal youth, or it raises matter into vibration and life. So if you can bring the living word, the word made flesh, into embodiment, you can help that awakening of that in others. And it's a transmission of lightning through your calibrated equipment of your lightning rod, which is your shushumna, your central column of your own being. Okay, so enough words. Let's go to the mountaintop. And here we have a magician's hat in Haydn. And up the top is a, um, is a room that 20 years ago when I came here, I spent most of my, you know, a decent chunk of my day in uh, trying to listen to that lightning, trying to, like, bring that into manifestation. <coughs> so the invitation when you go up there is to go up there inside your own um, consciousness as part of our collective with that question of, like, what matters enough? What's life and death for you? Like, for me... If, if the attempt to do something like this was more important than anything else in my life. And there was absolutely no, I had no idea how to do it. And in fact, when I called the lightning just on one body, um, I had a heart attack because the lightning hit my chest um, when I put this tattoo on and said, okay, I'm going to bring in the lightning. I don't care what the consequences are. It came. And it hit my body, and my body wasn't prepared for it. And I hadn't done my Shakti work, and I hadn't opened up the, the, the channels in my body to receive it. And even so, it didn't kill me, and it made me stronger, and it was beautiful. And, but if you can combine the two, if you combine the embodiment work and the Shakti work and the work with matter, and you call the lightning at the same time, now you have real power. So feel into your, before you go up there, what matters enough to your soul to call in the powers that are beyond you to bring it into manifestation? What matters enough to your soul to ask for the lightning? And that's individually. And then collectively, what matters enough to us
and then just turn to the person next to you and have a little share, like, what matters enough? 